Welcome to another episode of the one and only Minnesota Sports Podcast, number one. Today, I am joined by my co-host, long-awaited, Sam Wetzel. Hey, Ray, how's it going? (laughs) It's good. So today, we are going to be talking about the Minnesota Twins. The twin season is going to start on Thursday against the Royals. We are going to be talking about the off season and what we're looking forward to in this season. To start, it's not with who is on the roster, rather who is not on the roster. They go forward and talk about Chris Archer, who is a free agent, Joe Smith, also a free agent, Dylan Bundy, who is in the minors, Jarrell Cotton, who plays in Japan now. John Romero in the minors, he's got a contract with the Cleveland. And Tyler Duffy, that's the only one that I know from here because he's wasn't the best pitcher for the Twins, but he has a minor league contract with the Cubs. First of all, Sam, hearing those names, since they're not on our team this year, does that make a big difference for the Twins coming up? Uh, those names, I would say, don't make a big difference being on the team because they didn't have much of an impact for the most part when they were here. Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy were two names you mentioned. Those were a couple of signings that were our, I'm saying are like I'm the owner of the Twins. The Twins typically go for their they're cheap players that were good at one point and were trying to capture magic in the bottle by trying to get them for cheap and see if they can have a productive year. And usually it doesn't really work out, which is what happened with Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy last year. Dylan Bundy had some success, but for the most part, uh, he didn't offer enough to elevate our team, being that a record was below 500 last year. So, uh, And then you mentioned Joe Smith and Jarrell Cotton, and John Romero. Honestly, I did not know that they were on the team last year. Yeah. I, again, they didn't have much of an impact. You don't, never heard about them. So the only one I'm a little worried that we don't have is Tyler Duffy, actually. Uh, he, <laughs> the last couple of years, he actually been pretty productive as a reliever. He was pretty productive, but again, it's, he's not a, a make-or-break player. So I think they're not going to affect the success of our team much by not having them. Yeah, I agree. I know of Tyler Duffy. He is the one that stood out to me the most out of all those players the Twins don't have this year because every time I saw Tyler Duffy, it was a negative impact closing out the game. And we're going to look into somebody that I thought wouldn't make the team which was Pagan, Emilio Pagan. I thought last year, whenever I saw him play at the end of the year, it was either base hits or home runs whenever he was on the field. So he, I'm hoping he has a bounce back year, Emilio Pagan. And I'm, I'm hoping for the best for Tyler Duffy as well. 
But I want to move into the possible team look going into the regular season from the Pioneer Press Twin Cities. Right now, they are looking to bring these players to Kansas City on Thursday for opening day with their pitching rotation consisting of Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Tyler Male, Kenta Maida, who has been gone with, uh, he just had surgery last year. And a name that doesn't really sound familiar to me, but it sounds like he's had a solid spring training is Bailey Ober. I don't know if you know that name, Sam. Can you add any anything to that? So from what I've heard from beat writers for the Twins this season is for maybe toying with looking at a six-man rotation. Yep. Uh, so if that's the case, then Bailey Ober would shore up the back end of that rotation. Uh, I've heard good things about him, but then again, it's from the Twins beat writers, so they might be a little biased. <laughs> Other than that, I don't know a whole lot about him. I think he's pretty young. Okay. Uh, the rest of our rotation on paper looks pretty good, but we've said that for how many years now? Like, yeah. we've been trying to get these veteran players signed for cheap and hoping that we can, you know, squeeze out every last ounce of baseball they have left in them. Yeah, for uh, sure. Sonny Gray is one of those guys where he isn't, he's a former all star pitcher, you know, who, won upwards of 15-plus games mm-hmm. in the prime of his career, but we signed him, and last year he was in and out with injury, and um, our beat writers are hyping him up, but he's getting old. He, yeah. He's an aging veteran, so he's going to have some good games, and he's going to have some bad games. Um, same with Tyler Molly. Like he missed time with injury last year. He might not be the same after basically having a dead arm and missing the last month and a half of the season. Uh, Kenta Maeda is coming off Tommy John surgery, so that's always a wild card for you never know how that pitcher is going to return after Tommy John surgery. Um, and even Pablo Lopez, that big trade where we traded Luis Rise for Pablo Lopez to try to bring in an ace. Yeah. He wasn't even the best pitcher on his team. You know, he came <laughs> from the Marlins. Yeah. Sandy Alcantara was their ace, and he, he just won the Cy Young for them, so. I'm hoping that these guys can all perform like they can or like they used to. Yeah. Um, I'm really hoping that Joe Ryan can take a really big step this year. He's oh yeah. He's a prospect that we got from the Rays in the Nelson Cruz trade. And last year he showed signs that he can be our next ace. Uh, since we really haven't had since Jose Barrios when he was in his prime. Yeah. I'm hoping Joe Ryan can take a big step and uh, play really well this year. Yeah. Joe Ryan is, from what you said last year in our podcast, Joe Ryan is the young prospect. He's up and coming, and he's got all the potential in the world. But my question is, before I get into the bullpen, what what makes the coach decide this is a starting pitcher and why is it not easier for them to have that pitcher that was great a couple years ago to get into the bullpen now? 
Those are both pretty good questions. Um, um, in, t in terms of you know deciding who can be a starter, uh, there are a ton of pitchers in Major League Baseball, but uh, the key to being a starter is you need to have really good stuff that all pitchers have, especially relievers, but you also need to be able to have that, that, that endurance to be able to go five, six, seven innings. Yep. And still, like in the sixth inning, you're still pumping gas and your breaking pitches still have uh, plenty of break on them. And that's where the hard part comes in. At, and that's partly mental too, just having that mental toughness and that stamina to be able to last deep into a game and deal with runners on base throughout the game. And uh, so that that's why being a starter is not, you know, quite as easy as being a reliever and it's harder to identify good starters. And yeah. it kind of leads into, you know, why we haven't had good starters lately is partly because the twins have historically been unwilling to spend money on a big time starter. Yeah. Um, and I will say that that strategy also doesn't work out all the time as plenty of teams have spent big money on a starter and then they have a down year the next year. Robbie Ray last year, the Mariners spent a lot of money on him because he won the Cy Young the year before and come playoff time, he totally choked and was not close to worth the money that they were paying him. So that's a slippery slope to, to pay him for a big time starter. But I think we've also just been a little, you know, unlucky with, the prospects that we've had on the pitching side of things, they just haven't developed as much as we thought they would. So uh, those two things in combination have kind of strapped us in terms of our pitching rotation. Okay. And then another thing I want to quote or something that I do want to quote, I don't know if you saw this, but on both articles that I'm looking at, I I can't remember who said it, but one of the starting pitchers said it's going to be good to have starting pitchers that don't have to be relieved after four innings. And I think it might have been Baldelli. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, I think Sonny Gray actually said that. Yeah, Sonny Gray said that. And uh, Baldelli said in the article, this might be the deepest pitching rotation that we've had in years. And just like you said, it's, you know, something that we want to hear and we want to come into fruition, but can we really get it and into a 180-game season with that consistency? I think that's going to play the biggest role in the 90-plus games to win, you know. So no, I think you hit the nail right on the head, you know. The coaches and the players can make all these promises, but they have to deliver. And recently they have not been delivering. So it's left fans skeptical at best to, to hear what they have to say. Yeah, I agree with the best thing that they have right now is the uniforms because those look <laughs> good. At least we got that going for us. Yeah, I, I, that came out of left field. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, these new <laughs> uniforms, um, but yeah, I I kind of like them. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I like the uh, the new hat with it's got the M and the North Star on it. Yeah, but the rest of the uniform and uh, 
You've got like five different combos. I think they they all look pretty good. I'm a fan. No, I, I'm a big fan. My favorite one is the Twin Cities. The white I, does it have pin. No, it doesn't have pinstripes. Just the is white. That, and it's the, like kind of a cream with black lettering. I think. Yep, the cream Twin mm-hmm. Cities looks clean. And then they brought back the uh, the dark gray pinstripes, which was a yep. staple of like our mid two thousands, uh, late nineties teams. Yeah, so it's I, nice to see that again. I'm a big fan of that. Also on T-Mobile Tuesday, we got 30% off Fanatic. So let's uh, watch out for that. <laughs> don't, t- don't tell Kennedy. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about getting Janie some too. But let's uh, move on to the bullpen. We have Johan Duran, Jorge Lopez, Jorge Al- Alcala, Griffin Jacks, Giovanni Moran, Emilio Pagan, Cole Sands, and Caleb Thielbar. Johan Duran is one that sticks out to me the most because he came in big for clutch time. Does any other names come out to you, strike you? Yeah, Duran is going to be the the stud of our bullpen for sure. Uh, When you can throw a 103-mile-an-hour sinker, you're going to be pretty good. Um, the other name, one name that sticks out to me is Jorge Lopez. Um, he was a trade deadline acquisition for us last year when we were still leading the division and hoping to make the playoffs. He, uh, he was up from the back end of Baltimore and in Baltimore, he'd been pretty good, but for us, he kind of faltered down the stretch like the rest of our team. Yep. So I'm hoping he can have a bounce back here this year and, because it was just one year ago where he was pitching really well for Baltimore. So I'm hoping he can be paired with Duran in the late innings and uh, you know take care of any leads that we have late in the game. Yeah. One more question I have for the bullpen. Usually in each game, how many pitchers do you use next to the starting pitcher? A good, that's a good question. Uh, lately, most teams have been using a, a lot of pitchers from the bullpen in games. Uh, you see a lot of starters only go four or five innings sometimes. And then a lot of relievers have a mindset where they only pitch one inning, or if they finish an inning, they struggle when they have to go back out from the dugout. Yep. Uh, baseball players have a lot of uh, weird mentalities and superstitions, especially with the relievers. But so I would say, if a starter goes four or five innings, you're probably going to see four more relievers at least on top of that. So five or six pitchers in a game. Wow. Yeah. Um, if your starter can go deep into a game, you might only see three or four pitchers. You might see the starter for six or seven, and then uh, a bridge guy to get to the closer the ninth. Okay. And before we continue on with the the team, I want to hear your opinion on the pitch count or the the pitch clock, the shot clock, pitch clock, <laughs> new rule. Moving into the season, what do you think, how do you think it will play into the game? Personally, I think it was much needed. Uh in the last decade, baseball has really slowed down. You know, pitchers really take their time on the mound. They've rubbed the ball a few times. They've grabbed the rosin bag. 
wipe sweat off their brow. Yeah. They don't like the pitch, so they step off the mound, which yep. <laughs> and I played baseball growing up, so I get it. Like baseball is a game of focus and you need to write yourself and you know it's you're exerting all your effort on one play, but I think it's a little it's gotten a little ridiculous. I think pitchers can focus while also being quick. Uh, you know, baseball in the 60s and 70s had a quicker pace and it was the most popular sport in America. So I really like the pitch clock and I think it's going to really speed up the game and provide a lot more action. It's going to be a lot less, um, you know, downtime. Fans will be more into the game. For sure. And the games during spring training this year have been reduced by like a half hour. So that's big. I think you're going to get more fans at the ballpark knowing that the game if the game starts at seven, you're not getting home at 1130 because the game was three and a half hours long. So I think I like the pitch clock. It's going to take some adjusting to for the players, but these are the best baseball players in the world. So I think they can adjust to it and still perform at a high level. Yeah, I, I like that. Reducing the game time, especially in baseball, will be a big advantage for them because, you know, me – Going into baseball game, if I'm there live, I'm expecting to be there for three, four hours. And time goes by because you're watching it and you can you can go to whoever you're next to. If if it's a friend, family member, you can talk to them and just, you know, take time off. But especially for television watchers of baseball who are casual fans, I think it'll be easier to pay attention and and keep on and then with the pitchers i think it'll be an advantage for either the pitcher or batter whoever takes advantage of it because they will make that an advantage you know i i saw some videos of pitchers in spring training making the pitch clock to their advantage you know playing mind games with the the batter and whatnot so that that would be exciting to uh to keep in track and I think this is a perfect segue onto who our catchers will be is Christian Vasquez and Ryan Jeffers. I don't know either of those guys. So what do you think about them? Christian Vasquez is a is a new player to our team this year. We acquired him in free agency. Ryan Jeffers was on our team last year and was more of the backup catcher last year too. Yeah. Um Vasquez is more of a defensive catcher. He'll be more of an everyday catcher. He he provides benefit in calling the games and framing pitches, get more strikes called than blocking pitches. Um, he's a decent hitter, but uh, I should say he's a decent hitter for a catcher, which means he's a below average hitter because okay. catchers aren't usually very good at hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll be good defensively, and we have enough pop in our lineup where we won't rely on his bat like we did with when Joe Maher was on the team. He was our best hitter and our best, one of our best defenders. Yeah. So Vasquez will be more of a defensive catcher. Jeffers will catch maybe every third or fourth game. And uh, he's more of an offensive catcher. He hits a little better than Vasquez. I believe he's really good against left-handed pitching. Yeah. So he he may start when we're facing a lefty. Um, but I, I I like these two catchers. I think I think they're pretty good. From last year, I 
don't know his name. I think we got him on a trade acquisition or trade. Who was that catcher that I'm thinking of? He's he's neither Christian Vasquez or Ryan Jeffers, but do you know what I'm talking about? He was at the the second half of the year, and they just got him from a trade. Started every every couple of games. You're not thinking of uh, Mitch Garber, are you? No, no, not Mitch Garber. He was he was a short, stocky dude. Uh, here I'm pulling up the roster. Yeah, I'm gonna have to think about that one. I'm not sure off the top of my head. All good, all good. Well, I'm glad to hear that the catchers are complementary to each other. Sounds like we have an everyday starter and a catcher that'll be there every other game that benefits the Twins. But let's go on into the more exciting infield. Carlos Correa, who re-signed with the Twins after failing to sign with not one but two teams. He's still (laughs) one of the best shortstops in the game, so I hear. We have Jose Miranda, Nick Gordon, Kyle Farmer, Donovan Solano, and Willie Castro. From that, I know most of the players from last year. Uh, from the first four people, Correa, Miranda, Nick Gordon, Kyle Farmer. But your what is your your take on the infield that the Twins have coming up 2023? Uh, I think the catcher you're thinking of is Gary Sanchez. Yes, I think so. Gary yep. Sanchez. There you go. He got it. <laughs> he got we, it. We got Someone. we got there. <laughs> uh but going back to the infield, um, yeah, Correa obviously is the the anchor of our infield. Uh he's still in his prime, still one of the best shortstops in the game. Definitely uh had an interesting free agency to say the least. You know, yeah, for sure. Having two teams rescind their offers to him. Um, but it sounds like he's happy to be here. Uh if he produces as much as last year, I'll be happy. And historically, he's been a little better than he was last year, so he may have a, a bounce back here, which would be huge for us. Um, another guy I like is Jose Miranda. He uh, He's a corner infielder. I think he will be playing mostly first base this year with Luis Rise in Miami now. But uh, he really uh, improved hitting-wise throughout the year and actually became one of our best hitters, so he should be anchoring our lineup. And then uh, Donovan Solano was a guy, I think we just got in a trade, who I think is a utility man and hits for contact really well. So I'm excited to see him play. So we've got a pretty good infield, uh, obviously led by Carlos Correa. Oh, yeah. With Correa, all Minnesota fans, including me, this this, uh, offseason, we're looking – to re-sign him and every time I got that notification of the Giants look to sign Correa and uh who was the other team that was gonna sign him the Mets the Mets the New York <laughs> Mets wanted to resign or sign Meet him the Mets yeah it was it was a roller coaster ride for Carlos Correa and definitely a roller coaster ride for all twins fans 
but I'm reading in an article right now. He just bought a $7.5 million Arano home in Lake Minnetonka. So with that six-year deal, he is making the most out of being in Minnesota. And props to him. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on into the outfield. We are looking to have Max Kepler, Byron Buxton, Joey Gallo, Michael Taylor, and Trevor Larnick. I know Kepler, Buxton, and Joey Gallo sounds like he was on the team last year at least. What do you think about the outfield? Uh, One surprise here is that we kept Kepler on the team. Throughout the offseason, he... uh, there were a lot of rumors that he'd be traded. So interesting that he's back with us and hoping he can produce this year. Uh, Buxton is also another question, a little bit of a question mark. Sounds like he'll be starting the season at DH yep. uh, to help with load management. So he's still recovering from the the surgery he when, had. When is Buxton not recovering from an injury? <laughs> Ever since I was, we were both going to high school and I was still in Minnesota. Exactly. Yeah, he, it wouldn't be Byron Buxton if he didn't have a bruise or a nick somewhere. Um, I I wish he would be in the outfield because he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game when he, oh, yeah. he's out there. But, uh, you know, if he can hit like he has been when he's healthy, then... I guess it, it's nice to have him at DH, but still, have missing that speed in the outfield is going to be tough, I think. And I hope we don't keep him at DH for too long. Uh, and then not to burst your bubble on Joey Gallo, but he was not on the team last year. Oh, he wasn't? Where was he? Nope. He was on a couple teams. He ended up with the Dodgers at the end of the year. Okay. Um, he, he was a victim of uh, the extreme shifting that had been going on. Last okay. few years, he is a major pull hitter, but he's got a ton of power. Pretty good defender. Uh, the Twins are hoping that with the new ban on the shift this year, that he'll be able to hit for a higher average and get on base more, produce more runs. Okay. Something that really stood out to me, reading about the Twins, because I have not been paying attention to spring trading at all, but last year, nobody hit more than 30 home runs. And Byron Buxton was close. I think he had 28, but couldn't hit over 30. Uh, more, <laughs> well, did he, more, did he even play 100 games last year? <laughs> more so on the question, can this team capture the division title? Yes, it is possible. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't think it's going to happen. They can in terms of if all the players can play up to their potential and Buxton can stay healthy for most of the season and Correa returns to an MVP candidate like he's been in the past. Okay. And yes, we can win 90 plus games and we can win the division. But I feel like there's just too many question marks surrounding this team right now in order to feel like that's going to happen. I think closer to 80 to 85 wins is where we'll end up. Okay. So pushing 500. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, there goes the breakdown from the baseball pro we have in Sam Wetzel. I, I think Sam has the best 
breakdowns of MLB because he pays so much attention to it. Ever since we were working on on yards with his dad, we were listening to K fans. So I I always appreciate Sam and his baseball knowledge. And if you tune in next episode, we're gonna go into the basketball side and football side. So I want to thank Sam for being here today and giving us his knowledge. Well, thank you, Ray. It's been fun being on this podcast uh, a few times. So for sure, I we'd like to I'd like to have you in more for sure. But without further ado, this is gonna close up the episode on the twins. Thank you for joining us. Please join us next time where we talk about the Timberwolves and the Vikings. This is the one only Minnesota sports podcast, the number one. I'm your host, Ray, joined by Sam Wetzel. Peace.